Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Oh, we thank you for your precious blood. It's paid for everything we need, past, present, and future. The things that we have not seen yet, our eye has not seen, nor has our ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that you have prepared for us. So, Father, I thank you to open up our hearts to a new vision, open up our hearts to a new understanding, open up our hearts to a new uh, who we are in Christ, a new revelation of who we are. And we thank you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So I thought today we talk about the fact that your faith must stand in God's ability to perform, not your faith, but in God's ability to perform. So there's a difference here, and uh, it's it's kind of con- it, it's not really contrary to what we believe. But it's more or less helping us to understand the fine print of the covenant. Because many times we get stuck in our believing and anticipating answers from God. And and we have to understand what we're resting on, what we're standing in. Because if the foundation isn't stable, it, you're not going to receive. So you have to take a stand on what you believe and not waver. And that's really what, what James is talking about when he talks about faith and, and the man who wavers, you know, all that, that stuff. Uh, I'll go there in a second. Uh, but, but there is, uh, just a little, a little difference in the way we have to think about things sometimes, I believe, in order to receive what God has for us because we'll slip over into works. Again, if we're not careful, uh, and, and when you're in works, condemnation follows. See, you, you just don't really quite understand the connection of it, but, or condemnation will come and then that will put you in works. Cause then you're trying to work your way out of something that you've already been purchased out of. You see, so there there becomes a little deception that the enemy can play with our thoughts, uh, you know, to get us to slip over out of our covenant of faith and grace through faith. You know, grace will enable you to begin to believe that you only have to stand on God's ability. It's never been about us. <laughs> you know, if that were true, we'd still be in our sins because we could never pay the price and we could never get our freedom. So it's not about us. It's really about God, what he believes, what he thinks, what he has planned, all of that. It's a good thing to leave everything up to God. Now, I, I'm I'm totally in favor of of you can have what you say and confess what you want. Don't call a dog if you don't want the cat. But there, uh, or whatever, but there's, or if you want the cat, but, but there is a place of trust in God, of being fully, fully persuaded of his best for you, period. Cause there are some things where we won't be able to put a name on it cause we haven't seen it yet. That's what I want to say. I has not seen nor ear heard. 
So sometimes we don't know how to get more specific than God, you bless me and answer this prayer. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, uh, what's her name? Sister, uh, Sister Etter would say, God will give you a prophecy and the devil will tell you put a date on it. And so you can be speaking out by the unction and then get to a place and, and then the enemy or your carnal mind will take over and you add to it. That's very, you can do that anytime you want to. And it's very common sometimes to have things happen like that. And so, um, it, but there are times when God will give you dates in, by unction and those can be, be spoken or known. But it's very common because the human soul likes to speed things up. It likes the dramatic. It likes the spectacular. And really getting things from God is seldom very dramatic or spectacular. And by the time you get it, you're so worn out, you say, listen, hold the drama. I just really ain't up for no drama today. I don't care how it comes in here. <laughs> so, I mean, it just is just that way. There's a reality and a, a, a place where you live with God kind of mentality. That has to be considered as well as the step and formula and do this and get this and do that and get that and so forth and so on. There has to be place in your life for relationship with God. Because if if there's a total trust in God, you will get the I have not seen nor ear heard things of life. If you put a name on it, a price on it and all that all the time. You'll just get what you say. So it's better, I think, to have that place of total trust in God so you can tap into that unseen, totally unseen realm, into that realm where God has much more for you than you can ask or think kind of thing. And so I just believe in that, and I believe that there is a place where we just have to trust God, period. You know, and know that whatever he's going to bring to us is good, it's best. Because many times you'll start trying to speak too many details onto things. And you'll start getting into fears that are lodged in your soul. You don't want this. You don't want that. I can't have this. I can't. Will you live a life where you put so many fences and barriers up around God? I can tell you right now, he don't move in barriers. He don't put up fences and he don't respect them. And it's good for us because we need to live a life of total freedom because you have no clue what's going to come later. You don't have a clue what's coming now. You don't have a clue what's, what's anything. And so it's, it's always good to allow God to have freedom to do what he wants to do. I remember when I, my husband was alive, rest his little soul up in heaven with the Lord. But uh, when he was alive, I couldn't see. Amen. I didn't have vision. I didn't have access to what God was showing him about how to manage our finances. And I wasn't big on saving. For what? For you run some young chick up in here. I want mine now. 
you understand what I'm saying. And so um, it it became a challenge for me to live under the discipline of somebody who was looking out for the future, who had a way of uh, wanting to acquire more that I didn't know anything about. You understand what I'm saying? And But I learned how to learn from him and get trust in the methods that I had I didn't have the privilege of understanding or access to as far as knowledge was concerned. So I had to learn to trust him in that area so that we could be blessed and prosper. He had every intention of being alive now, but he's not. But because he isn't, because of what he taught me to learn how to discipline myself to, I can live under under those rules and understanding and not fear being broke, not fear being running out of money, not fear any of that kind of stuff. Uh, even though the government looks shaky all the time, they've always looked shaky. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to do what smart people do and go around Uncle Sam and invest and, and learn how to live in a different realm. And so because of that, I learned early while he was we while he was still alive to pray for our investments to always increase and many of them are in the stock market and and so you know how that goes right it's easy manipulated by people it's easily depleted and all that kind of stuff and so but the lord spoke to me he said if my people would invest in certain things and pray for them, he said, I would protect them to the good of everybody. Amen. And so you have to learn how to get out of that realm of what you think, what you can see, what you and trust God out out in the the world that you have no control over. You don't understand very well. And And God has protected what we've had for many, many years that way because we always manage to get in a place where we prosper. Even though other people around us might be losing everything and failing, God's put us in a place where we can prosper. It comes through trusting him and, and trusting in people who have that wisdom and trusting in your faith and your prayer. You know, that you, you have put God in charge of certain things and he's not going to fail you. Amen. He, he will never fail you. And so uh, I can remember a, a point where I wasn't sure what to do about anything and I was and and I was sitting in my house. My husband had just passed away. I was sitting in my kitchen, and, and God said, have I ever failed you? He said, I'm not going to fail you now. He said, I will take care of you. He said, I'm the one who's been taking care of you all the time. You understand what I'm saying? And so he had me do some things that were totally against what I thought were the right thing to do to trust somebody with my life savings, my husband's life savings. But it worked out that person still works for me. They still, they still invest properly. They still do what they're supposed to do. And I'm still, you know, increasing. And so even though I spend what I need to spend and what I want to spend, I made up my mind I wasn't going to change my lifestyle. And God never told me I had to. And so I think it's a good, you know, it's a good witness to me and also to people who know God, you know, that, that he can take care.
you through all of these difficult times. You know, you don't have to freak out just because, you know, things have changed and you don't see as much coming in as you used to see coming in. Quit looking at it and just keep expecting God to do what he needs to do for us. But I'm telling you, I've seen the stock market go take a nosedive, go up and down, but I've been steady. You go down a little bit, but at the end of the year, you're you're on board and you're right. And so it, it just takes trusting God. But if I hadn't given it all over to God and just follow through on what he told me to do, even though I didn't think it was the right thing to do at the time, it seemed risky to me, it worked out fine. And so this is what we have to learn to do. There is a place where we we won't know what to do. Our senses won't be able. That's where faith takes over. Where your natural senses just can't get it together and can't pull it together and can't understand things, your faith is in God is what will take you there. You just have to trust him. you got to make up your mind. It's about what God said he would do and his ability to do it that you're finally resting on. So um, in um, oh, 1 Corinthians 2, is that what I want? Oh, let me go there and see what it is. So let's knocking on my door. I got scratching, scratching, scratching notes, you know. First Corinthians two and let's start in verse four. Oh, here it is. It says Paul is talking here. He said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. You know, it it would be good if people, preachers really understood this. Because it it will cause a humility to come on you as a minister. It'll cause a a tamping down of yourself and God can can get bigger and be glorified. You understand what I'm saying? When people start boasting about you and giving you a big name and splashing your name everywhere that's a a place to be be nervous and and concerned because people's faith will begin to stand in your wisdom now you've seen this and we've all fallen into this category where we'll get sold on some people's person's message and we got to get all their tapes and all their books and that's all we listen to 24 hours a day yada 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 that's okay if god puts you there and you know why you're there but if your wisdom if your faith is standing in their knowledge and their wisdom you're going to be shortchanged because what happens is if a challenge comes to anything that they preach then you you your reaction determines who you really where your faith is standing cuz people get very defensive about it. you mention somebody's name and they mention their name and you say you know I like their preaching except they don't have signs following or you can say I don't listen to them for that reason what do you mean? You understand what I'm saying? Your faith must stand in the power of God, not in man's wisdom and how wonderful they sound and how dazzling they are and how great swelling words and how much of a following and they've got this much money and they've got that much money. Just saying. See, in that 
arena you got to dig deep to find out what they're really talking about sometimes because all you know is is their reputation what people say about them what kind of you know they got a lot of money so whenever anybody preaches prosperity and money they're gonna have a big following you understand what i'm saying they just will and so we have to be careful but then there's some people who when you hear their name reputation pops up in your brain and see these are the the distinctions that we kind of have to get into when we get into people who are well known why are they well known and what do you know about them for real and what is their reputation and their character those things have to be considered and so we have to to really define what it is that we're following so we make sure we stay in the right realm when it comes to understanding who among us is laboring for god you know you the bible says for us to know those who labor among us and so there's a knowledge of their labor there's a knowledge of their message there's a knowledge of their wisdom and all of that kind of stuff in their character Many of the ones that are, 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 are very, very fruitful and productive, you just don't know them by name. But God does. So he's got a lot of people out here serving him. So we must let our faith stand in the power of God and not the wisdom of men. My contention has always been if they can't produce a healing, they can't produce deliverance and all that kind of stuff, why follow them? Because I'm trying to get that and more of it in my life and my ministry. So I don't have time to, you know, get with somebody just because everybody likes them. You understand what I'm saying? And and all the foolishness and shenanigans. And so uh, it, he says that you, he wants your faith to stand in the wisdom of God, uh, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. The signs following the word of God. Amen. And so when you understand that that your faith has to stand, it must find a resting place. It must find a place where you are positioned so that you can receive the things that you're expecting from God. Everybody wants their faith to pay off. And so if you will let your faith stand in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men, then God will always bring powerful people into your midst for you to learn from, for you to be discipled by, all of that kind of stuff. Your faith has to stand in the power of God. You have the other thing too is that people seem to think that you don't you can you can criticize people and still receive from them. You can't do that. Faith works by love. You understand? You got to pray that thing out. If you if you hear somebody that you listen to preach the wrong thing, or you think I preach the wrong thing, go and pray about it, and go look up your scriptures and find out if it's correct or not. But you don't have to stay critical. Just keep that up there in your head all the time, because it'll chop off everything that that person says, and they will be discredited, even though many times. They are following the things of God. So, you know, your faith can't rest in, in your negativity of, of what you don't think is right or you don't think, you know, that, that, that ain't right. You know, you don't say that. You know, a lot of people think I'm not supposed to be preaching. You know, they think women shouldn't preach. You understand what I'm saying? But that ain't my fight. You know, my fight is against the devil. I care less what people think about who's supposed to be in the pulpit. Amen. And so when we understand 
what our faith is resting in. There's so many other things your faith can stand in other than the power of God. Amen. And so you, you have to do that. So, so, um, um, let me see where is this other one. Okay. So faith, your faith must not be wandering or wavering. It must find a permanent place to abide and rest. So your faith really has a position or a, uh, uh, I guess you could say a garage that you park it in. I mean, and then take it out when you, you know what I'm saying. It's, it's active. It's like the motor's running all the time in the garage, whatever. And so, and, and because your faith must stand ready to be exercised in the things of God and the things you desire. So in, in James, where you at, James? Hiding behind the Hebrews. I knew you was in here. Okay, so James chapter 1 and verse 6. He says here, but let that man ask in faith, nothing wavering. Really, he's talking about wisdom here, not talking about things. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask the God that gives you liberally and upbraids not, it be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed, uh, driven with the wind and tossed. Don't let that man think he shall receive anything from God. So your faith must find a place to rest and then to stand. So if if your faith is parked in God's garage, it's rested there. And then when you begin to to exercise your faith for something, you begin to stand there to not be moved, not be wavered. So there is a resting where your faith is totally in God for whatever it is that you need. You don't need to trust you. You don't need to trust man. You don't need to trust trust Pastor Barbara, Pastor Shirley. Your faith must rest in God and not move it. See, the man that wavers keeps moving it. One day you want a husband, the next day he better not be this, that, and other. And you know, God got some poor brother. He didn't put his Nikes on a couple of times on his way running to find you. And then the minute you say he better not be this, he go take them shoes off and go sit down somewhere. Huh? It's true. So you got to be sold on putting your confidence in God. Amen. He knows who who's suited for you. He knows who isn't. He knows who's going to be a, a good partner for you. Amen. Good husband. A good friend. All of those things. He knows all of that stuff. So we are to ask for wisdom and that will take care of all your issues you get wisdom you get everything so ask for that god how should i pray should what should i confess how should i do this you know is you know even if sometimes you think you're not doing it enough times a day you can ask god about that and ask in faith and believe he's going to give you the answer and expect him to answer you amen james 2 14 says something else about faith that without works 
it's dead because it's by itself. So you have to put your faith into motion. It can't just be sitting around and you waiting on something to happen. You know, uh, the the first thing that you put in motion is your words. You express your faith with your words. Amen. So you begin to thank God for whatever it is that you're expecting and and then and don't deviate from it. Don't waver. Don't change it a million times. Amen. I don't know if I want a red one or if I want a blue one. Well, you better make up your mind because purple ain't really what it's cracked up to be. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. See, many times God has started your your answer in motion, but then we go change. Huh? You know, it's 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 just good to have your mind made up on certain things so at least you get something. You know, you're not in the arena of wavering back and forth and changing your mind and god doesn't care what it costs if you can believe for it see faith will override money restrictions it will so if if you can believe god for it and i mean really heart faith not bluff faith you know what i'm saying people come in there tell you everything that you your faith has to be in your heart and your mouth not just your mouth Sometimes we need to just be quiet and let God work. You know, sometimes the more you talk, the more devil will send people to to challenge you. And <laughs> it's the truth. It is the truth. So your faith must. Okay, so there are two things you you know about faith that you can't violate. Amen. It can't waver. Amen. And and also it it what was this last one we said it has you have to put it to work. So my thing is uh, it must be working all the time. So make up your mind that you're going to continually every day at least thank God for whatever it is that you're expecting, you know, and act like you're expecting something. There are also prophetic uh, motions that we can can do. You know, put the Put the sign up on the refrigerator. Put and make sure it's something that's in your heart is not on your wish list. In fact, you need to take your wish list, step on it, and curse it, and say, "Don't you bother me no more. I live for God now in Jesus' name." Amen. Because wishing will get you in trouble too. Amen. So when we talk about the things of God. We're talking about real faith and and real things. Amen. So, uh, so we must, our faith must first rest in God. It must find a resting place. And that means it's not switched back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like you think you gotta do something else to push it along. That's very, very common. Even though our, even our real spiritual among us who are just talking about the confession. Huh? Well, I need to confess the word of God more. We'll do it and quit saying that's what you got to do. Well, you see the difference, right? One of them is is wavering because you, you used to be sold on the fact that everything was okay and you're trusting God. But then you think, well, what's wrong? I got to do this more, that more, that more. Where did that got to do that more comes from? See, if it came from God and he tells you, girl, you better beef up your confession. I ain't heard you thank me for that in a while. You understand what I'm saying? You can get that from the Holy Ghost. 
you can get that you'll be sitting up one day and you think hmm, when was the last time i thank god for that and your little hands shoot up and you just go to worshiping and and yeah because you haven't worshiped him in a while and so that's the holy spirit reminding you to keep your spirit strong and keep yourself in faith so that you won't be disappointed or you won't get discouraged or get in that place over in the corner where we hate to be you know and scared to tell the saints that's where you at and that's where you've been living for a while oh amen and so uh, this is it keeps your 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 faith alive you know even with your confession about your health or your money or your things or your family or your friends or anything like that keep faith alive in yourself make sure that your you your mind's renewed to the goodness of god and the plan of god for for those that's how you keep your faith strong you don't keep it strong by just pulling it out you know on holidays and you know like a poinsettia or a, a, a easter lily you understand what i'm saying you keep keep it on all the time keep believing god for certain things i was sitting there the other day and and i was um i had garlic i was using i was using about the last of it and i started out with a pretty big bag of garlic to be under y'all been noticing garlic and everything like (laughs) even in the sweet rolls (laughs) i'm messing with you but you know what i'm saying And, and so one of them i got this one garlic out and it had a green shoot coming out of the top of it you know and i sometimes just chop them off and see if the rest of it really smelt like garlic or whatever everything was in the shoot but i just went ahead and i said oh god i'm gonna put this i'm gonna plant this hey all of a sudden i'm a gardener again y'all know i had to give up my garden once before because of too much work for the girl i sweating too hard but anyway i put this little bulb of garlic in the, in the thing and so I've been taking pictures of it. And in, in like, how tall is that Minister Tina? She saw it for herself. And she even remarked at my face. No, you didn't remark. Uh-huh, yeah. In less than a week, it's grown like that. And it's like, and I started looking at it. I said, God, it's like creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. That little bulb of garlic was just screaming for somebody to put it in some dirt so it could live. You understand what I'm saying? And so I was thinking about that. I said, you know, and and so I I try to live in a place where my faith is always being exercised. And and that's we consider that a small thing, but you don't know what it's gonna be when God begins to show me and, and reveal to me what he wants me to learn from it, et cetera, et cetera. And so let your don't don't be you know reluctant about faith don't be oh boy how long is it going to don't be like that just keep your faith active keep believing god even in what we call the small things amen even in the small things so so our faith must stand and god's ability perform but it must rest in god mark 11:23 starts out 22 says have faith in god so that means put your faith over in God and enjoy the God kind of faith. The faith that can say and it come to pass. Amen. And God will perform it. Amen. God will perform it. That's one thing about Mark 11. I kind of said, boy, if we could just turn that around and say, instead of saying it'll come to pass, God will perform it. 
because if you say it'll come to pass, you don't know who's working on it. You understand what I'm saying? But if you remind yourself that God will bring it to pass because you put your faith in him and he can 100% be trusted. So uh, turn now to Romans 4. That's really what I, where I want to focus. Romans 4, starting in, I guess, 14. What does it say here? Okay. All right. Starting in, in verse 14. It says here, 13, for if the promise that he, Abraham, should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, Abraham first encountered God when god didn't he didn't know anything about god he didn't know right from wrong he didn't know have any any laws that god had given him about how to live what was right what was wrong but he believed god and it was counted to him as righteousness so here we've got righteousness in our account it's over on our side that God considers us in right standing with him to expect him to do what he promises to do. So righteousness really puts you in right standing with God so that you can expect him to do what he promises to do. So it says he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness or the righteousness that is of faith. For if they which are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void. And then the promise, because it's the promise has to be believed in, then the promise goes tilt. So anytime we are thinking that we we need to do more of something or less of something and it'll happen, or as some people will say, speaking things into existence, there's no such thing as that for, for believers. Now, that's not our power. We have to trust God to bring it to pass. See what I'm saying? That's why a lot of times you need to go and throw some tapes away and throw some books away. You understand what I'm saying? Because that was a common phrase that we used in Word of Faith, charismatic people. We were told that we were speaking things into existence. Now, if that's true, what is your faith believing in? It's believing in thin air. The Bible says faith is substance and evidence. But if we're speaking it to make it, bring it to into existence, and speaking it and forming it as we speak and all that kind of stuff, then our faith is standing on thin air. Because you got to know how to do that in order to make it happen. And see, you start doing that and just speaking it don't happen, and you're out of gas because you don't know how this works. Because it's just a phrase you picked up from somebody, and it's really not true. Because the Bible says that God has everything that we possess already in glory. So it exists already. So it's not, it exists inside of God. 
It exists in his imagination. It exists in his heart. And it exists in his words, not ours. So when you believe you've received something when you pray for it, that thing's got to be somewhere. It can't be you waiting on you to make it through your words. In other words, you understand what I'm saying? You're not manufacturing anything. If that were true, your husband would be dead about 15 times. You'd be a widow 15 that they call you the married widow because you know how to kill them, girl. You bring them in there, she will kill them in a minute. Your children would be stupid, idiots, dogs, huh, and worse. So thank God you don't have that ability, okay? And so, so, but when we believe we've received when we pray, you've received something real. You have something. And I, I'll, I'll tell you a, a simple way to know that we all experience sometimes. You get frustrated and angry because you haven't received it yet. Anybody ever been there? If you haven't, you will be. Well, it's taking so long. Wait, well, I don't want that no more. And then one morning you'll wake up and say, God, please send it to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Huh? Because you already received it when you pray and God says enough to know it's in there already. See what I'm saying? You're carrying it, your spirit by faith. And it's a real thing. It has substance and there's evidence of it because if that were true, you'd be able to let it go. But people are like that. Now, they'll tell you I wasn't really expecting that. You ever pray with people and the the thing that they didn't want to have happen happens? And they'll say, I knew it was going to happen. Well, what were we praying about? They want to grab them and strike them. I knew that was going to happen. How do you know that? And we know that God will bring it to pass over here, but you know something different. Now, anybody been like, been there with somebody you really were expecting to, somebody patronizing you and, Making you think they all are religious and making you think they all in faith and they ain't in nothing. Amen. They ain't even in a good fantasy. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. Sometimes you can get your do-rag and your shades and your best girlfriend go stick somebody up and get it. You understand? Well, if you really want it. But, if you know, there are people that just are so fearful. They don't see you've got to put your faith in God. Once it's in him and you don't move it, he will bring it to pass. I don't care how rocky things look and how crazy things look. So your biggest work is to keep yourself in faith. Keep your faith alive. Keep your faith active. Keep your hope on God. All of that stuff. Stay in your word. Read those scriptures that talk about they who hope in God will not be disappointed. Amen. And he gives double for your shame, not trouble. Okay, go read you a scripture. Because I know some people go out and create trouble just so they can. You know how you know how the saints get sometimes. I'll give me trouble. I'm gonna get double. No, you you create your own problems most times. So Romans 4, 
uh, start in 14. So if they which are the law heirs, faith is made void. We know faith came before the law. It took faith to bring the law into existence. Abraham had to believe God for a covenant. And then the law just expanded what that covenant was all about. It gave the, the terms of the covenant. That's what the law is. He says, because the law works wrath, for where no law is, there's no transgression. So you learn what's right and wrong. Transgression means learning right and wrong. You learn right and wrong because of understanding the law. Amen? Amen. So, so, um, let me see, where am I at here? 10, 11, 12, looks like I need to back up. Sorry about that. Hang on, gang. I'm, I'm going to find this yet. Romans 4.14. Don't tell me I lost what I was going to do here. Hang on, guys. Yeah, I do need to back up. Okay, sorry about that. We'll start in verse 4. It says, uh, Romans 4, 4, Now to him that works is a reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. So if you determine that that your works are going to get you over with God, you get yourself more indebted because the law draws with it a penalty, which we cannot pay. Amen? So the Bible tells us to believe on him who justifies the ungodly. So you put your trust in God because he is the one that makes you just when you are ungodly. Your works cannot justify you. You must cease trying to impress God with your works unless they are out of faith. Now, there are some works that you can do that your faith will, will cause you to express. There, there's works of worship. There's works of praise. There's works of just obeying God and sowing seed into certain things. Like when we, we give bread to the poor, gifts to the poor, anything like that. Those are works of righteousness that we understand if we do those, we will get a reward. God will reward us. So that isn't trying to impress God and get him to bless you because you're doing this and you're doing that. You have faith in, in especially something that you do consistently. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, then that means you must have some kind of confidence that it's paying off from you for you somewhere. And so there are works of righteousness that you do by faith that will bring you a reward in God, and they are good because God can entrust you with more when you do those things. So works cannot justify you, so you must seek, cease trying to impress God with your works or, and, and just give your works by faith. You have to believe that what you're doing is the right thing according to God's law, according to his works. The man who works... uh let me see, verse 6, that's where I want it. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. 
So David understood how to stand in the righteousness of God without works. Because he sure messed up a lot, didn't he? We do too. (laughs) Amen. And so when you look at this and you say to yourself, David said God does not impute sin to us. How did he do that? In his day, he did it by keeping the law. But you needed faith to keep the law. You couldn't just go through uh, the Ten Commandments and do everything without having confidence that that was right. And then you had to keep the sacrifices, too, so that you get the slate wiped clean when condemnation started to build up on you for all the sin you committed. See, they looked forward to the Passover and the Day of Atonement so that they could have the slate wiped clean. They could have a fresh start with God. They could know that they've done everything that they were supposed to do in order to expect God's blessing upon their life. And so David said that person to whom God does does not impute sin is a blessed person. Amen. And that's where our blessedness comes from. It comes from the fact that God has forgiven our sins. Same thing that we enjoy right now. But he had an inkling of it way back then. And he says to whom God unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. Because even back under the Old Testament, they knew your works wouldn't get it for you. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Moses kept the Passover. So you had to apply faith to the law to get the law to work for you. So faith has always been necessary. You had to have confidence in God and obeying his law that it was going to work for you. It's going to pay off for you. And so even back in that time, they had to have have that level of confidence in God to know that that you got righteous without works. Amen. Remember when David, David Bathsheba's their first child got sick and was dying. And David fasted and wept for that child and pleaded with God for that child's life. And the baby died. And so we must assume that there was no no go-ahead from God to do that. He was just trying it to see if it would work. Because many times I think it would work for some of them. They would just tap into that extreme mercy of God. And like one scripture says, who knows if God will repent and leave a blessing. You understand what I'm saying? And so David found that that there was a a greater blessedness you could have, and that was when God did not impute your sin to you but saw you as righteous. He says, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. That's us. Amen. When we live in obedience to God and we keep short accounts, you know, Mark 11, 23, and the following is very clear. At the end it says, and... When you stand praying, uh-huh, uh-huh. forgive. Don't forget about that. And so, uh, and it's it's very very important because that's our righteousness. Forgiveness is our righteousness. He said, "Blessed is a man to whom the Lord would not impute sin." Amen. So, so really, we are blessed by the blood alone. Our sins are our our sins are covered, and our iniquities are forgiven. Amen. Blessed when God does not impute sin, Abraham's faith is prior to circumcision. 
circumcision did not get God to promise him more. If God had, if, if circumcision were above faith, then when Abraham got circumcised, God would have upped the promises. But God presented to him the same promise. He reiterated the same promises over and over again. Now, what was circumcision for? It was a sign of your covenant with God, but it was a personal sign. She had your personal covenant with God. Also, it was a foreshadowing of what God would do with the new covenant. We have a circumcision of the heart. Amen. So the fleshly part of our heart has been cut away. And God now has given us a new heart that can respond to his word in a positive way. Is it You ever give somebody the word and you know they're not saved or they not word people or they that this is new to them? And they, oh, I know what that means. Well, if you really love God, you don't respond like that to the word. Your heart's circumcised. It means it's tender toward God and toward his word. So you live in that place of of harmony. You're not an enemy anymore. And that's what the, the circumcision that they did meant. That means they were friends with God because that foreskin was a token of their friendship. Amen. Thank God they ought to do that no more. You just confess Christ. You know what I'm saying? It, it helps a lot. Amen. Helps a lot. Amen. It's interesting, though, that that people who do research uh, um, say that men who are circumcised are healthier. You know, it, it, yeah, as far as their reproduction and all that kind of stuff. And so, anything God does is the truth of it's still there. You know, even if it's even if it's a remnant of the truth, it's still there. You understand what I'm saying? Praise God. So, um, okay. So, where were we at? Where are we? Verse seven. Blessed are they whose iniquities forgiven, their sins are covered. It, it's kind of interesting. Are covered iniquities for you. Amen. Praise God. So, so the iniquities are the things that you do from the heart, from a, a evil heart. Amen. Those are forgiven. Amen. And sins being covered means that, and not only covered, but your sins really have been cast away. Amen. So Old Testament, they were covered. New Testament, they're really, you're, you're, you've been purged. Amen. So you're pumped clean of anything. There's also a place though where anything that's in your heart that's still like you working on it doesn't interfere with your relationship with God. See, there's like a veil there that, that you, you the righteous you, can operate as though there's nothing in the background there. You understand what I'm saying? This see, this is this is where the devil gets people sometimes. He'll get you beating yourself up about one little bad habit and God doesn't even see it. And see, you think it sticks out like a sore thumb, everybody sees it, everybody's talking about it, everybody's and it's covered. As far as the one who's who's really important is concerned now you can keep picking at it if you want to but he's covered it i mean he says ain't a big thing you talked to me about that already i'm working on that with you now leave it alone amen leave it alone 
that goes for you and everybody else in your life too. Leave other people's thoughts alone. Amen. Amen. It says, blessed is a man to whom the Lord would not impute sin. Doesn't count on your record. Amen. And that's us. He said, did this blessedness then come upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? So for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. So then faith would be higher than the circumcision. But the circumcision did have a a purpose and it reminded Abraham (coughs) that he belonged to God. Amen. I mean, every time he took his clothes off, he, oh, yeah, I belong to God. That means only have sex with your wife. If I mean, if that's all you can relate to, you know what I'm saying? So it, 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 he be, reminded him he belonged to God. And because it was hidden, it was between him and God. But it was up to him as a man of integrity to get himself circumcised. Because there were there are many people who perpetrate and pretend, but they don't have the real circumcision of the heart. And so it was that way back then. You could run into a bunch of people and they said, well, we are your brethren from this tribe, that tribe, and the other tribe, and, and you know, not even know you. So it was circumcision. You couldn't examine them because that was between them and God. But eventually... God would reveal if these people were true or not. It's the same thing with the New Testament church. People would, would baptism in the Holy Spirit was a sign for unbelievers, but also for people who didn't trust that you were really born again. You understand what I'm saying? So that was the New Testament Christian's calling card that he had the Holy Spirit and, and he was adopted or baptized into the body of Christ. Amen. And so whenever they would find, remember, they found some people that didn't pray in tongues. And then Paul began to expound to them the way more excellent. So there were a lot of people that were under Moses baptism only. Amen. And so or John the Baptist. And so they had to come into the fullness. See, it's not wrong to tell people about praying in tongues, even though some people give you a stiff argument and you know, tell it it's the devil and all this kind of stuff. It's not wrong to expect that God would bless them with that. Amen. So Abraham, the, the circumcision reminded Abraham that he belonged to God and it made the promises of God sure, not wavering. So when God, see, when God first met Abraham, he promised him the same thing he did every time he met up with him. So he would reiterate the promises to him, but there was a point where Abraham believed the way he believed, and he didn't believe, he wasn't fully persuaded in God's ability to bring it to pass. So he believed the way he believed pretty much before the circumcision. After the circumcision, he changed. His faith took off in a whole new, more powerful direction. Why? Because he had that sign in his body that he belonged to God 
And so every time he thought about his circumcision, he believed God and was reminded that God had promised him these things and God would do these things. Whenever he looked up at the stars in the sky and the sand of those are his children, but the circumcision catapulted him into a different direction. It was a turning point in Abraham's relationship with God. If I get a chance, I'll go back there and, and we'll see it in the word. It says, um, so Abraham unites both the law and faith. In, in verse 12, it says, in uh, the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but also who walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So that's us Gentiles. We walk in that faith only, and that faith is superior. The Jew walked in the faith of the law, and then he had to drop that and get an unbelief and then put his faith in God. So there is a place where the Jew was in unbelief and couldn't bridge. You got me? Could not bridge that gap and trust in God only. That's why they rejected Jesus. That's why many of them reject Jesus today is because they're all summed up in unbelief. Everybody's got to believe God and God alone. You can't carry any of that old covenant law with you into the new covenant. Jesus said it'll bust up everything. He said new wine is for new wineskins. You can't pour the new into the old. You got to let go of the old. And they had clung so tightly to that law, even though they wasn't doing it right. They knew they wasn't doing it. They was cheating. You can't obey the law, not as a, a regular human being. So it was there to teach us to expect Christ to come and rescue us from the tyranny of the law, you know, because it was hard for a lot of people to do that stuff. So if you were an honest Jew, you received Christ. If you were dishonest and, and told everybody you was obeying the law and you were just fine, you missed it. Amen. So he says, <clears throat> verse 13, for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For they which are of the law, if they are of the law, be heirs, then faith is made of none effect. And we know faith works. Amen. So the promise by obeying the law voids faith. That's why when you think about how long it's been that you've been praying for something and you wonder what's wrong and you get into works, your faith kind of takes a sideline. But if you will will begin to speak the word into your situation, begin to worship God, that puts you back in faith again. And it keeps that wandering, wandering out of your brain so you don't get up and try to invent something or you don't get up and make up your mind to quit. Amen. So so a penalty that draws a penalty and negates faith. So we slip over into the law when we waver. Faith makes it available to all. So that's better than the law because you would have to be one of the 12 tribes of Israel. In order to have relationship with God. So now that we can do that by faith and everybody's involved in the 12 tribes got to believe too and let go of the law. So it, it makes it all levels the playing field, as they say, versus uh, 
it says here in verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace for this reason that the promise might be sure to all Abraham's seed. That is his faith seed and his natural seed. Not only to that which is of the law, but that which also is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So we've been merged into one big family by faith in what Abraham did and his covenant with God. And it says here, as it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. So we can call Abraham his father because that's what God promised him. Before him who he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. So he called Abraham the father of many nations when he only had one son. Amen. So so when Abraham believed, when he stood in the presence of God, he says, I have made you the father of many nations. He believed and hoped when there was nothing left to hope for. So when you're out of hope. That's the best time to put your hope in God because you don't have any more interference anymore. You don't have any more temptation to waver. You don't have any more ability to rely on yourself. All that's removed. So really, people say, well, well, all I can do is pray. That's the best. You, this should be the first thing you do. You understand what I'm saying? What What else would you do? Amen. And and so you can tell where people's faith is when they say things like that. You're in a good place because God's tied your busy little hands so you can't get out and do nothing to hurt yourself. So Abraham, when he believed God, verse 17 and 18, it says, who against hope believed in hope. Against hope. You're going to have to stand against your natural ability your natural thinking, your natural expectation. Against hope, believed in hope. You're going to have to stand against things that would be against you in the natural. Amen? So if you can position yourself, see, this is this is what we do sometimes. We get to the place where we try and 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 didn't work. Oh, well, I guess I trust God. It's a higher realm to live in to trust him first and work on not letting your mind wander and think about stuff you could do to help him out. See, we're all going to have to pass that test at some time because we're not going to be able to get old enough for us not to be able to do certain things in order to believe God's going to do it for us. We can do that in full power physically. Of, of what you know what we could do to bring it to pass on our own many times people who have money god will say no don't don't pay for that i'm you pray and ask me i want to develop your faith you understand what i'm saying uh you know and you don't know what's coming down the road he might be sparing you something or he just might want your faith developed you don't have to know all of that but when he says use your faith he means use your faith amen so he says here God, Abraham had to put himself in a position and God put him in a position where he could not consider what he used to consider. So you're going to have to have your, you're going to have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because if Abraham couldn't do that anymore in the natural, 
he couldn't have his mind on it. You understand? As an interference for God's plan. So your abilities in the natural, that's what the Bible means when it talks about crucifying, living the crucified life. We don't talk about that too much anymore. Or crucifying your flesh. Nailing you to the cross where you're not involved anymore. Amen? And so once that's accomplished, then the the grace to believe God for the impossible then comes into your life. Grace is what causes you to expect. Faith is is what opens the door. But the grace has to fall upon you to give you the ability to expect it to happen. Amen? See, you can believe God and it's counted to you as righteousness, but if you never let that righteousness take that as a key to open a door to what you desire, the grace to receive it won't be on the other side. And so the unmerited favor of God must get the divine influence on your heart must come in and soften your heart to expect what God's going to bring to you. See, you can say you're in faith all day long, but if you don't expect it, you understand, you've got to get your, and we say get your expectors out and all that kind of stuff, but but you do have to let that come upon you. Let that grace, that grace will settle it in there once and for all, give you peace about it, where you don't waver anymore, you're not arguing with yourself in your head anymore, you're not one day excited and the next day deflated, amen? You're you're on an even keel about what it is that you're expecting God to do. So he says, I've made you the father of many nations before he he when he was the father of only one. And that boy, he made him kick out of the house. Amen. So he believed and hoped when there was nothing left to hope for. When all of your props are taken out from under you. That's the time when God will work the best miracle in your life. Amen. He did not consider what he used to consider. So he didn't think the way he used to think. There were three big things standing against Abraham. Number one was the deadness of Sarah's womb. If he had thought about that, which he used to, that's how Ishmael got here. So Abraham believed God was going to do it. But part of him believed that he had to help God because he always kept things. Sarah's not, she's barren. She's barren. They call her barren. We've never had kids. We've never had kids. So he considered that and she did too. And so Sarah gave Hagar to, to, to Abraham, had a child by him. And then 12 years later, they realized it was a mistake. How long does it take us to realize our mistakes? Huh? Hopefully. But sometimes we don't. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you look back and you say, you know what, God, if I had known then what I know now, you ever been there? The same thing. It takes you a long time sometimes. That's why it's good to live by faith. Let's just let God handle everything. Amen. Takes you, take you out of the picture. That's so important. So he did not consider what he used to consider. The big three that are standing against your miracle. Everybody's got three of them at least. Number one, the deadness of Sarah's womb. His impotence was not considered. Nor was there age. What are we going to do with a baby at 100 years old? 
So those were all hindrances before which caused them to feel that they had to do something instead of trusting God was able to perform. That's very important. Other than that, your mind will keep flipping you over into works. He says uh, in verse seven, uh, verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall your seed be sand of the sea, shores and, and stars in the sky. And being not weak in faith, not weak in faith. Why? Because everything that he was trusting in, he took himself out of the picture. See, when you take you out of the picture, your faith isn't weak. Your faith is strong. And see, we think the opposite sometimes. What do I need to do to get it here faster? What am I missing? What did I do wrong? How can I change? What am I going to take you out of the picture? See, it's harder to take you out of the picture than it is to help God. Huh? You look at Hebrews 11 and see what these people accomplished with faith and see how you measure up. You be sweating getting your bills paid. Even though he paid them last month, you be sweating this month trying to get them all paid. Huh? Something comes up that, that was unexpected. You freak out. Amen. Because <laughs> you're still in the picture. Take you out of the picture. Hebrews 11 says, 11.11. Turn there real quick. We'll see what Sarah did. How does she change? We know that Abraham changed. The Bible says he was not weak in faith. Amen. Because he didn't consider these things anymore. Did not come to his mind. God, I sure would like to get there. You are there. You just need to, to keep referring back to to God's power in things. 11 of through faith. Also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive or ability or fertility to conceive seed and have the baby. And be delivered of a child when she was past age because why? How did this happen for her? She put it on God. It quit being about her and her lack and what she didn't have going for her and what she couldn't do. And I don't know enough about that stuff. And I don't know how to cast out devils. And I don't know how to believe God for big things. She quit letting it be about her. Takes discipline. You can do it, but it takes discipline. And it says she received strength when she was past age. Why? She judged him faithful who had promised. So her end was judging God faithful because he had the one who had promised was faithful. We're not faithful, and we don't have to be. We just have to believe God and put our confidence in him. Yes, when we're faithless, he is what? Faithful. He can't deny himself. He's bigger than we are. It is his faith that's going to do it. He is the one who's going to bring it to pass. He has to have faith in himself to help us. So he decided, Sarah decided, God's faithful. He's not going to shortchange us. This has nothing to do with my age, my barrenness. I've never had kids before. All of that has nothing to do with me. 
I judge him faithful. And them being in covenant together as husband and wife, once they agree on something, it's done. You don't know if Ishmael might have been a faith baby. On Abraham's part. But after he came into covenant with God, he considered God. He didn't consider that. How do we know he didn't consider it? He didn't consider it for the rest of his life. It was a permanent change in his faith. Because after Sarah died, what did he do? We got him married again, had more kids. Hey! I like this God. Huh? As long as you judge him faithful, as long as you're fully persuaded what he promised you, he's able to perform. You don't have to perform nothing. God, I'm looking for you to perform. That would stop a lot of Viagra sales for just saying, you know, come on, get with me, girls. Come on here. Let's <laughs> if you could see some of the text messages that come to my phone, you could. I don't know where these people get my name from to send this stuff to. But anyway, somebody just sold them a mailing list. But anyway. Abraham removed himself from the equation. So did Sarah. You have to believe God is able to perform it. Able to perform. See, many things we're believing for are impossible with man, but we don't consider them possible with God. Because we've thought for so long that, that it's impossible. See, look at all the things that are diseases that are incurable. And and so you can't keep that lodged in your brain and believe God for a miracle. Somebody you know has that affliction. It's constantly in the back of your head. People don't get better from this. There's only a 5% chance that all of that, that keeps rolling over in your brain. But if you consider him, God, able to perform it, and take all of that stuff. No, no, uh-uh. that that was true once, but God's able to do this. See, God is able. Not I'm able to believe. God's able to perform. Take yourself out of it. Because your little faith has nothing to do with anything. Huh? It's about standing on, resting on it, the truth that he is able to perform what he, God performs it. Even if I'm bad, that subject did not come up in the covenant discussion. So that's off the table. Put that away. When he counted God able, then it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 20, 19, 20, and 21. He says, being not weak in faith, how did his faith not be weak? It was weak before. When he had Ishmael was weak, he considered not his own body, now dead. Okay, we won't think about. There's, these are the don't thinks, and then there's some do thinks to replace them. He didn't think about his own body, now dead. He was impotent. 
when he was about a hundred years old, nor did he think about the deadness of this heir's womb as two strikes against him. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. His strong faith gave glory to God. How does faith get strong? He took himself out of the picture. Your faith is going to be weak. What did the Bible say about the law? It was weak because it had to be carried out through the flesh. Anything that you pin on your ability is carried out through the flesh. Believe God keeps his word, period. In the end, it was God promising himself that he would bless Abraham. He says here, being fully persuaded, full persuaded, no more doubts, no more what if, what ifs, not what if, I didn't do this right, what am I doing wrong? None of that. Stop it. Being fully persuaded means you don't put yourself in the picture. That you, it's just God promising to whom? Who God promised this to? Can I bring the microphone up? Who do you promise it to? In a covenant, he promised it to. Got a thought? Himself. God promised himself. Ow! So what what am I doing here? What am I, chopped liver? No, you're believing that he's able to perform what he promised to himself. You're just along for the ride. That's how we can insert any name and any promise and they believed it because it's not promised to you personally. God promised himself he's going to do this for you. Uh, can you give me like five minutes, Cloretta Tyara? We might have to cut some out. or I don't know. Well, anyway. All right. So how did Abraham move, remove himself from the equation? If you go to Genesis chapter 18 or let me let me find it. I was looking at it in the office, and then somebody came in and messed with me. No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> so I indict anybody who came in there, right? Amen. But anyway, uh, I think it's, ver- it's chapter 17. Okay, 15. Abraham, verse 2, Abraham said to the Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing as I go childless and the steward of my house is this this foreigner. And he said, behold, to me, you have given me no seed. And, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. This is before Ishmael was born. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your bowels shall be your heir. So Abraham gets a bright idea, Ishmael. But he brought him forth abroad, said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars of the sea and the uh, sand and all of that stuff. And and Abraham asked him again, how am I going to know that I'll inherit it? And he said to him, take me a heifer three years old, she goes, so forth. And he took the sacrifices. So here you have a blood covenant being established with Abraham for the first time. 
And so it says in verse 12, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. God took him out of the picture. When Jesus died on the cross, the body of Christ was already in him. We were in him to come forth at the appointed time to be born again. So we were asleep too because we were not yet born. You didn't know about salvation until somebody preached the gospel to you. You had no idea who you were, who you belonged to. But when Jesus went to the cross, we weren't there dying and suffering, nor were we even aware. We were asleep just like Abraham was. And so while Abraham was asleep, God cut covenant with himself to bless Abraham, who had nothing to do with it. He had no knowledge of what was being done. All he did was one day wake up and believe God and receive the benefit of it because he took him out of the picture. Man was never in a covenant with God. Amen. As a partner, a participant. Man was always the beneficiary of his inheritance by faith. And he had to have faith that God was going to do it. When God got ready to do it, at the time God was ready to do it, and in the place God was ready to do it, you can't dictate to God because you weren't there. You ain't got nothing to do with this. This is his business. This ain't your business. So what do I do, Pastor Barr? Just enjoy your life. Worship God. Rest in faith. Stand in the confidence that what he promised, he's able. Once you believe he's able, he'll do anything on your behalf. But if you keep thinking how nobody gets this and this is so impossible and it's, you know, they said it was going to be this and they said, "Uh uh-uh, he's able to perform what he promised you. So it all rests in his ability because God swore to himself by himself that he would give us our inheritance. Amen. And that's the end of the story. Amen. Praise God. All right, we'll stop. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. That our faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And be fully persuaded, fully persuaded, not wavering on it, but be fully persuaded that what you have promised you are able also to perform. Father, our confession won't earn it, but our confession helps keep us in faith. That you are the powerful God who does not break covenant. You keep covenant in mercy. You swore by yourself because you could swear by no higher. You went to the highest place to make that swear. Before heaven and earth and all beings under the earth and all souls under the earth. That you are God and you were faithfully perform your covenant. So we thank you Lord for your covenant of life, your covenant of health, your covenant of blessing. And for our inheritance Father that we have an inheritance of health and righteousness in you. And we thank you, Lord, for healing us. That that healing has never been canceled. It's never been negated because you keep it. You keep us healed. So we thank you, Lord. And we confess that we don't have Rona. And Rona don't have me. I can't get Rona. And Rona can't get me. And I am healed. 
and I'm going to stay healed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and again. It is so decreed in the court of heaven. Amen. Praise God. Amen.